0: I would never say that I
1: didn't want the childhood that I actually had. Those things made me who I am. I was strong enough to get through it because of my parents. And so how did you go from here to there without necessarily having those resources around you? Just being in that atmosphere with all of these gifted and talented students, no. I had no choice but to think that I had a better future. I owed people that were on the corner with no hope. I owed my parents. I was serious because I knew that those people didn't get that opportunity. And so the system is messed up because everyone should have that opportunity.
2: Welcome to the American and the Immigrant Podcast. I'm Cameron. And I'm BK. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, I'm super excited. Today, we have our first, um, our inaugural uh, Tati Podcast uh, guest. Uh, yeah, so today we are joined by uh, Gary Clark. Um, so I've known Gary since uh, since college. We both attended uh, Dana, Dana College and Blair, Nebraska together. Uh, and I got to know him really well because we were both on the track team. And uh, as well, we were, uh, we were roommates for a year. Um, in these uh, really uh, like kind of busted up apartments <laughs> in uh, in Blair, Nebraska. Were
0: you um, guys on campus
2: or off campus? Uh, off campus. Yeah, we were off campus. Nice. Yeah. Um, but just a brief, uh, let's just go to, like a brief introduction to Gary. Um, so Gary, like currently he is the executive director of the Greater Fremont uh, development Council, uh, and that's in Fremont, Nebraska. Um, and he was also just recently, uh, he received the 40 Under 40 Award um, from the Midland Business Journal in uh, November of 2018. Um, so Gary's done a lot of work um, with economic development and um, urban planning. Um, so he's definitely, you know, he's definitely earned his reputation there. Um, and as I said, he, he got his bachelor's uh, in sociology from Dana College. Mm-hmm. And a master's after that in uh, urban studies and public administration. Um, So our our alma mater, uh, Dana College, is actually uh, no is no longer uh, in business. So uh, it was a casualty of the of the recession in 2008, unfortunately. Um, But uh, although uh, it is no longer a college, uh, Gary was still inducted into the the uh, Dana College Hall of Fame for track and field. Um, so he holds 11 records at Dana. Boop, boop. Yeah. And, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he was the first male uh, national champion that, uh, that Dana ever had. Um Yeah. So besides all of that, <laughs> you know, besides all those talents, he is also uh, a published author and, um, he does public speaking events, uh, you know, all over, uh, wherever he's invited. Um, and he published a book in 2018. Uh, you guys can get it. Pretty much wherever books are available uh, it's called unlikely viking uh, from the dc projects to rural nebraska so again super excited to have him and uh, thanks for joining us gary yes. thanks for having me cameron thanks for having me bk nice to meet no you. all right so i think let's just jump in real quick like um you know obviously you don't have to go through like your entire you know story um but I think it's good to like know kind of like where you came from. So you're originally from like the DC area, um, DC, Maryland area. Um, So why don't you just go ahead and give people like a quick, you know, overview of kind of where you came from and then uh, kind of up to where you got uh, at left, left DC to go to Nebraska.
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, as you said, I I was born and raised in DC, Uh, lived in uh, Southeast DC, Minnesota Avenue, uh, Benning Heights area. And then, uh, also lived in, uh, on 14th street. I still know the address 2506 14th street, Northeast uh, Brent. And, uh, from there, you know, both my parents had uh drug uh, addictions. And so when we had a rough background, uh, I was homeless. We moved around about 13 times, 13 different homes. And, uh, Uh, Luckily, lucky enough for me, I found my way to a place called Dana (laughs) College in rural Nebraska, Blair, Nebraska. Uh, It was my first flight ever, Cameron and BK, and I was scared to death. (laughs) Um, And uh, actually, a funny part of the story is uh, my father, he had a, a buddy who was an addict who was late picking me up to go to BWI Airport. So I almost missed my flight to to, uh, Nebraska. We ran through the airport and uh, didn't have time to say goodbye. And uh, actually when I got to Dana, I had a duffel bag and a backpack. Uh, And uh, um, the rest is kind of history. When I got to Dana, I was a provisionally accepted student and I got a 3.9 GPA my first semester, and I never really looked back after that, you know. I got a lot of opportunities from going from an urban place where we struggled really tough um, to almost having an oasis of hope in a rural place that I never even thought even existed. So, kinda cool. So today, I am Cameron now. They've changed my title to President and CEO of the Greater Fremont Development Council, and. Um, been doing that for about three years I have uh, three kids 11 year old a five-year-old boy and uh, so two girls and a boy and a three-year-old who is crazy uh, <laughs> <laughs> and my uh, my wife is from Oakland Iowa yeah. um, and uh, we've had our own struggles just as an interracial couple but Cameron you you know us we were we were both uh, Part of the interracial couple squad in, in Blair <laughs> Nebraska.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Um, no, I know. I think that's uh, actually. I don't think I've ever told you this story, or I don't think I've ever mentioned it to you. But um, so I, I remember going uh, to visit, or I think I was doing like the whole. So I, I was at Dana College to go. I was trying to get the like the presidential. I think it was called just like the presidential scholarship award thing. Um, And like, you had to write like an essay and do it as like this whole process. But I remember I had an interview for that part um, and it was like a group interview. And I think I'm pretty sure that you were one of the uh, like interviewees uh, when I visited. So I was like, you know, just this, this um, high school senior, but I'll never forget because like I made, I, I, I think, I don't know if it was you or somebody asked me a question and like, you know, anyone alive or dead—that kind of question, like that—you could meet with for a day. Uh, like, what? Who would? Who would it be? And what would you talk about? And I totally panicked because, uh, <laughs> like, I didn't have like a good answer. And I, I said, I think I said like Jesus. And I was I just,
1: Jesus. That was like <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was the first uh, good thing that popped into my head. But I just want to clear the air now because I have a much better answer. Like I. What I, I really would have said is I would have liked to uh, uh, to visit with my my grandfather on my mom's side because I never got to know him. Um, but everyone says we are really alike, um, just in terms of like personality and things like that. So uh, anyway, I just want I just thought that was a funny story because I I totally remember. I remember like even seeing you sitting there, um, you know, as part of the panel. Um, oh, that's so pretty
1: cool.
0: Yeah. So your journey, your journey following from Minnesota Avenue and like, and I drive up in Minnesota and Alabama. So I know the neighborhood you're exactly coming from, you know, and I know 14th Street very well. So from from coming from such a place of uh, strife and, and lack of abundance to an oasis as Nebraska without actually never actually seeing it. Or was there an inspiration around you? Or was there a, some kind of um, visual board that you saw you wanted to get to? And so how did you go from here to there without necessarily having those resources around you and from that point?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question. You know, I was scared to death. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't want to be on the corner I didn't want to be a corner boy. I didn't want to be wrapped up in the uh, gangs that was going on in the mid nineties there. Mm-hmm. Um, and my family, like they were going through it. Like I had been shot at several times as a kid in yeah. and I just knew for me, BK, it was like, man, something ain't right. This isn't how we're supposed to live. Right. And, I was just scared shitless that I was not going to manifest anything. Like I I could see my future in everybody that was already there. And I thought if I don't try my hardest, and it was at Blair, um, at Blair High School. I went to Montgomery Blair High School, used a a fake address. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, My first couple of years, I used somebody else's address and caught the train, the bus, Seventy bus um, X two. Yep, they, <laughs> <laughs> and they still run. Yes, <laughs> those, those still run. Right. And it take me an hour and a half to get to to Silver Spring sometimes. Um, yeah. But just being in that atmosphere with all of these gifted and talented students at Blair, yeah. I had no choice but to think that I had a better future. And yeah. so, even though my grades were crappy. Uh, that's, that's what the vision board was for me was, hey, wait a minute. I'm on a cross-country team my senior year just to hope that I can get a scholarship, right? I yeah. never ran cross before. My senior year was my first year running actual track and field. And uh, I met this lady, Miss Bossy, um, who was a, a magnet teacher. Mm-hmm. And she brought American University to every cross-country meet for me. And the coach called me every night and that's when I realized like, maybe I have something here. Yeah. I, I screwed that up though. So that's a whole nother story. I screwed that. <laughs> <opportunity>. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah,
2: no, I was like, so I don't, we don't have to spend like all the time on the book, but I, uh, I read it back when it was published in, in 2018, but then I was sort of rereading it, um, you know, in preparation to talk to you. And like, one of the things I, that just kind of struck me um, is that you talk about like a lot of the, you know, basically how you just hated, you had such a like, um, a hatred for like the drug addiction and the like the affliction really of like what and, and then like seeing all the havoc that was wrought from like the drugs, on, especially like with your mom. Um, but it made me also think that like you um, just with in that situation in that environment, how... Uh, children or children teenagers whatever it may be are like kind of asked to just um, to like grow up so fast right like suddenly you are this child that like has to find your own stability right like you don't have uh, somebody there to provide that for you Um, Mm -hmm. and you also mentioned a lot like sports like sports plays a very big role in like your in your childhood so I was just kind of wondering if like you know do you think um, you know, sports and, and like, subsequently, like the, you know, just that diversion and, and the, the friends that you made along the way, like, do you think that that was just important for you to deal with that situation?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, BK, um, that was probably a better answer than the answer I just gave you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
1: because uh, honestly, uh, there were a lot of opportunities that I found from, from, meeting some friends in Tacoma Park and Silver Spring um, who love basketball. And it took me away for a little while um, from the havoc that was taking place in Southeast and in, in Brentwood. And Cameron, honestly, just seeing what drugs could do to my family, that we would be evicted like every few months. And to see that happen in front of you where all your clothes, all of your uh, belongings are set out in front of your apartment for everybody in the neighborhood to see. And it was emasculating and embarrassing for us to try to go and chase to find money to get back into the apartment. And uh, for me, I think those things just kind of bugged me for my, my entire adolescence. Yeah. and by the time I, by the time i got to a point where i could make a decision um you know i knew that drugs wasn't something that i wanted to deal with um and i think my parents knew that i just wanted something different than what they had experienced so you know all in all i would never say that i i, I would never say that i didn't want the childhood that i actually had yeah um, i would love because those things made me who i am i was strong enough to get through it because of my parents, you know, showing me what was wrong. So, yeah, definitely an experience where I hated drugs, but I had this this love of basketball, this love of sports that helped me together. But what about, like, the concept of, like, you know, when – when we
0: hear, especially sometimes here in America, when you see an African American making it out of their community and they're striving to be the best, and then they get into surround themselves with white people, and then the testimony of, "Well, you made it out. Well, you see, you you see, you made it out. So the te- so it must be the system must be working." you know so take your take your bootstrap by your <laughs> you know and 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 hike it up and walk and and you barely but what if you don't even have a boot what if you don't, what if you don't even have the shoestrings to tie those boots with it's in the first place yeah so the starting yeah, I, mark I, I, the starting mark of where it is uh-huh
1: yeah i would say that the system is is all messed up and that for us to have just those little uh dribbles of people make it out so to speak yeah. that's not the way the thing is supposed to go yeah. you know? uh, the percentages are so low and honestly uh it's very sometimes it's personal for me to make sure that i let people know that i became educated and i worked hard to have good grades and that it wasn't just the fact that you know i was this extremely fast runner and you know a hybrid runner but I once I got to college I owed people I owed the people that were on the corner with no hope I owed my parents who had records that never get yeah and so I was when I got to Dana I was serious because I knew that those people didn't get that opportunity and so the system is messed up because everyone should have that opportunity
0: For sure. For sure. And, and, and like, and honing and holding that to that opportunity, like if, if the color of your skin didn't matter and the opportunities you had were the same, where would the challenges come from? You know, Mm -hmm. where would the the adversary come from for you to push down and make you much more stronger, you know? But then when you had, when you had race and classism and poverty on that top of that, like the strength and the conviction that you have now, it's like, who's gonna tell you not to? you can't walk on
1: the moon now, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the head. I think my, uh, when I came to Dana, I was in Nebraska, I was probably very much insecure. You know, mm-hmm. I was I was hoping that I was making the right decision, but I didn't know that right. I was hoping that I was going to be comfortable around all of these different people that uh, basically spoke a unique language to me now. You know, it's different <laughs> culture. Right. And, and we had probably seven or eight black people, um, African-Americans in the Dana realm at that time and probably fluctuated on a given year. Right. Between that and fifteen. And uh, so, you know, it wasn't a place where you could really melt yourself into a group of people and say, "This is our people." You had to be willing to engage other cultures. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, it made me stronger today. For know? sure. For sure, hundred percent, hundred percent.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's like let's talk about Dana, like your experiences at Dana, because. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> like, I mean, no, we're not going to start sharing like uh, old college stories. <laughs> um, now, because I, I think about it, and you, you said some
1: one-time camera. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We're not. We're not doing that. We're not telling stories. <laughs> uh, that's that's for another. That's for like another podcast. That's another podcast. Um, uh, no, but I, I, because I. It, it was so interesting reading your book too, because again, like I, I was there as well. Um, and like the, um, you know, like you, you you had all this, like when you first, you even mentioned it, like when you were, got there, you were like basically freaking out. I mean, it was like, um, first of all, you just had never been so far away from, you know, your home, your environment. Um, but then secondly, you say something that's like actually really uh, that was really poignant to me is that you're suddenly around these, these people who, um, you know, they just uh, expected to be there. And sure. it was like, for them, it was just like, yeah, of course I'm in college. And of course I'm like doing this, like, and uh, you That's know, the next
0: step, yeah.
2: yeah. And, and, then and then you would, you had mentioned also, you know, kind of like when you're actually, you're doing it and you're making your way towards like actually thinking about, you know, graduation in the future. Um, you know, everyone else around you too is just like, I'm going to go be a vet or I'm going to go do, you know, I'm going to veterinary school. I know what I'm doing. And, and you also, you know, have some insecurities about like what's next for you. Uh, But I mean, just, I, I think that's interesting. Just share like about how you, you know, how it felt to be in that environment um, with, with just people so sure of themselves. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was really interesting because I, I think for
1: me it was, like, uh, sorry, my dogs. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> sorry. Okay. <laughs> That's okay, I getting my cat. Here. <laughs> um, it was really interesting though, Cam, because you know, I just wanted to make sure that I was doing the right thing for me and for for my family uh, to be proud of me. And you know, I had a great experience at Dana overall, just because. You know, you're on a small campus. We had over, probably, BK was probably maybe 500 to 600 people. My high school was bigger campus. than that. Mm-hmm. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I came from Blair that was like 3,000 kids right. to <laughs> I right. which was 500. So, in that way, it was almost a benefit because I could focus more, you yeah. know. And, yeah. and uh, Blair was only about what's... it's probably about 7,000 people now or something like that. Um, No, no,
0: still still around (laughs) (laughs) 3,000.
1: But, you know, Cameron, it it was really one of those things where, yeah, I I remember being in an apartment with you and thinking, man, I I wonder what Cameron's going to do with his life, you know? I think he has it. He wants to be a doctor or he wants to, you know, be in the medical field. And for me, it was like, I think this is the right place to go, but I don't, I don't have those things to fall back on. So it was it was fear, but at that point, I felt confidence from my experience with, uh, with Dana that I was ready to at least take on the world. Whatever was going to come my way, I was going to be ready for it, so. All right, sorry about that. You know, I'm home alone, so. No worries. Got to take <laughs> care of the, the home front on my home. Are you here in Maryland or in Nebraska? I'm in Omaha, Nebraska right now. And okay. my wife and kids are out and about uh, getting food and hanging out, I guess. And so how is the community?
0: Like, it seems like you stayed there after um, uh, after school. And so the environment and the, the culture, you must like it, you know what I mean, to fit in and stay in, right?
1: Yeah, you know, I I actually left right after almost before I got my master's degree. Um, I left and I graduated um during the time that I left. I took a job in Gainesville, Florida. Actually this place <laughs> called Newberry. It's called Newberry. It was known for as watermelon festivals. <laughs> <laughs> And I took a city planning job there. It was uh-huh. probably one of those experiences that you just have to have, right? And it was actually, BK, it was next to, not far from Rosewood. If you remember Rosewood, mm-hmm. uh, where there was this massive uh, lynching that took place there uh, and, and murders. Uh, so and over like 300 so people. they still had the effects of that experience. And yeah, so um Newberry was almost like going back in time for us. Yeah. And So it doesn't and, feel like uh, it
0: doesn't feel like that much time has passed because there's still like there's still there's a residual of somebody that was from that time. There's going to be an uncle, there's going to be somebody's grandparents and it's still it's like it, it's, I mean what are we like three, four humans away from 1865, you know? So yeah. it's, not, it's not, it hasn't been that far. So I could totally, totally, totally I'll, understand. I'll,
1: I'll tell you guys a quick story about that though. So we, before we came back to Nebraska, we lived in, in Florida for about two years. I got homesick and we moved to DC again and I became an economic developer in D.C. in Bowie, Maryland, and then downtown D.C. on North Capitol Street. Uh, But before that, my dad and I drove from Nebraska. It was after I had moved out from Cameron and got my own place with my my girlfriend, who became my wife. Uh, We had planned to get an apartment in Gainesville. My dad and I drive 23 hours to Gainesville. When we get there, uh, the lady sees that I'm African American, and and she says, you know what, we we can't. I had a dog with me, but he was a small dog at that time. She said, you know, we can't have dogs like that in this establishment. And we said, wait a minute, we just drove 23 hours, and you've seen pictures of our dog. This is the only place we know to stay. We, we've given you all the money. We're ready to go. We have nowhere else to go. This is our this is our apartment. We're moving to. She said, I'm sorry, I can't help you, and. Um, I was so upset and my dad tried to calm me down. I couldn't understand it. I called my wife and said, Hey, they're not letting us, they're not going to let us move here. Uh, this is Gainesville in maybe 2007, 2006, 2007. And, uh, what happened ended up happening was I was so upset. I was in tears because I was in rage because I couldn't understand it. And my dad had to calm me down and explain it to me. And, my wife ended up finding another place for us, a villa that was a little bit uh, rough, but we ended up moving into that place. The people called the next day and apologized and said, you know what, now we'll let you come live here. And we said no. So that was a weird experience. And it, it was kind of a microcosm of our experience there for that two years.
2: Yeah. So let's, I mean, that's a great story. I mean, let's let's just talk about it, right? Let's talk about... Um... Because so actually you have, um, uh, you have a, a, like a short film coming out, right. Um, that, that, that's coming out this week. Uh, on, so it'll be out by the time this, this podcast comes out, but, um, basically dealing with, uh, um, a poem you wrote, right. Uh, about George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So go ahead, I mean, go ahead and talk about that. Um, but I do want to get your, I, I definitely want to get your perspective. Um, because actually even also in the book, I mean, and the story you just told is, like very indicative of, of what you talk about in the book is that a lot of the like uh, the the stuff that you experience with race um, and racism really like because there's no other way to, to call it, it it's not it, it wasn't like outward hate like we think about um, that and I think that a lot of people get confused about um, when we talk about systemic racism and, and BK and I have talked about this before um, but it's it's like this it's almost kind of just this little subtle thing that follows you it's like a tag that you just it just follows you around wherever you go. And, and, right. it's, and you can't remove the tag and you can't do anything to change how people feel about the tag, but it's just, it seems like it's always there. Um, and so I think, you know, I'd really like to get your, you know, your feelings on like just the current climate, what's happening, the protests, um, you know, and, and just kind of what you're, what you're doing locally in your community.
1: Yeah. So, uh, we, what I felt was immediate rage when I saw the George Floyd video, first of all, and I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand the look on the cop's face. Um, almost as if it was some type of animal that he had captured and no emotion at all. And, uh, you know, we've had these experiences as African-Americans and, and as, as black people um, in this country. And at that point, it just hit me so hard. And a local film producer that I knew from my TEDx experience at Creighton University reached out to me and said, hey, Gary, we really wanna do something. And me and my film producing friends from all over the country would like to put some footage together. Um, if you can come up with a poem that is strong enough in the next two days, write something and and we're going to, we're going to film around it. So uh, I wrote something called 846. Um, it's actually, you guys are going to have to edit out a little bit here, That's
2: but okay. um, <laughs> we got you. <laughs> so,
1: it's actually a, so I got called by the film producer and it's actually a, uh, a four-minute film that is centered around what happened in Omaha, which was after the George Floyd accident and protest, a uh, young man by the name of James Skerlock was murdered by a bar owner in downtown Omaha um, during a protest. Uh, he jumped on the like back this, of the uh, bar process, owner, but say it again, past yeah. This past protest? Just two weeks ago, this happened in Omaha. And, and so that guy was let out and uh, basically they said that he was defending himself. I, I'm sorry. I feel like Dave Chappelle is saying, we'll be right back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. If we had sponsors, that's where we'll put the sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Um, but okay. So uh, what happened with this incident was this young guy who's 23 years old. He's got a kid He's out there protesting in downtown Omaha, the old market. BK, if you've never been to Omaha, Cam's gotta bring you there. Uh, so, uh, so what happens is uh, they get into this argument and the argument spawns from this old 70-year-old guy who's the father of the bar owner uh, saying some negative things to these kids. Then they brandish a firearm. The bar owner does. Um, at this point, the kids come back to him, and they a couple of them start a fight with him. He goes to the ground, and he pulls out his gun and shoots two shots at them. And the young guy, James, jumps on his back and wrestles him. And as he's on his back, the bar owner turns the gun, shoots James right here in his neck, and James is almost instantly dead. Uh, he gets out uh, on the fact that they said that it was self defense, and that spawned another Stand protest. Mm-hmm. But there is no standing your ground in, in Omaha or in Nebraska. So. And he didn't have a, a permit, a valid permit at that time to hold the gun he had. And he did not get charged with that either. So, full circle, uh, we put together this film, Cam, and it's called 846. It talks about our history in America. And as I mentioned to you uh, in a conversation before, BK, it's almost like an an experience with a a girlfriend or someone that you're in love with, right? Now, you, you don't know how you got in love with them, but you're in this relationship somehow. And you still wanna be a part of this relationship with this person. But they don't want anything to do with you. You've done everything. You've cooked food for them. You've taken care of them when they've been sick and home and tired and everything. And they just keep pushing you away. This is the American experience with African Americans right now. So that 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 is the film.
0: Man, that sounds like a really really dope movie or like the really really dope short film that I would really love to check out. And we'll definitely like post on our um, uh, Instagram. But with with that many microcosm of like that's so perfect in how you just said it, like black people have taken care of this country when they're when they were sick, when they're poor and at, at always in each term when they had when America had the right the chance to do right by and do right for black folks it's never come through or it's come through with some kind of stipulation and then in in the translation it it comes it just gets it just gets completely destroyed so how do you how do we prove this time of this time right now that there's policies that is going to be effective and they're going to determine that this kind of systematic racism won't continue or at least in a way where we're all visible about it. Now, at least at least the camera is making it the equalizer because you're seeing all these rants come out. You're seeing people's really true colors, whether it's that guy from here, from Maryland, that's grabbing the little girls on his bike and he grabbed that new poster from that girl. And it's like, you're really seeing these true colors. And how do we take that next step to make sure we weed out these thoughts or we make a change where that guy could have that opinion, but I could still maintain and continue a pursuit of life for happiness and achievement. And, and that's not gonna, yeah. his thoughts are not gonna stop me from eating. I don't care about him having his thoughts. It's his thoughts stopping me from eating. That's the problem I think most black people have with. I don't care about your thoughts. I don't care, it's, it's possible. I was hoping you could be a better person, but that's something. But yeah. once your thoughts stop me from pursuing my agenda, pursuing a forward goal, and to bring my family and my generation in the next sector, then I got a problem with that. And so, how do we make sure that, that doesn't happen?
1: You know, this is really important because it starts from the genesis. It's almost like if you are trying to deal with an illness like COVID. We have yeah. to start the, from the beginning, the sure. genesis of it, try to try to break it down and, and go from there, right? All of the, the pieces. So, where do you little, think? Where
0: do you believe is the genesis of America with black people?
1: So we know <laughs> the the roots of this is they say sixteen nineteen, but it's even before that, right? Now this is this is this is a long history of of our American experience spilling over into this country, but it started out in Europe and other places. Um, The first thing is the false fallacy that race is a real thing. And and I think to to be able to break that down, BK and Cameron, is a difficult thing. Um, There's a book that I like that people can follow. It's called The Race Myth by uh, James L. uh, Graves, Jr. Um, he talks about the biological uh, impact of this conversation and the cultural pieces to this, and I just think it's a beautiful book. But that's the starting point: is mm-hmm. can we realize and understand that that uh, the sub-Saharan Africans' their DNA isn't everybody, everybody, <laughs> you know, that
2: everybody. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we start there, right? Right. And then we have to deal with this huge mess, this amalgamation of mess yeah. in America. Yeah. Because now we've got these cultural appropriation issues. We've got all of these things. Uh, white Americans, which, you know, shouldn't even be a term, but white Americans love Black culture. It is Stop the irony. <laughs> It's an ironic thing. It's an ironic thing. Is it though? if you think all you have to do is look at the these medical surgeries that the elective surgeries that happen and what people do with these surgeries to make their lips fuller or their butts bigger or you know, or you think of how did rap music become so popular? Because right. kids that look like-
0: There's not enough black like, people, there's not enough black people in America to
1: make it that popular. <laughs> right. Kids, right, kids that look like Cameron was bumping it in their house right, on. all over. I was, right yeah, on. definitely. And so that that's the next step, BK, is realizing that we gotta drop all these fallacies. America, you really want to love us, so break down all of this hate, these barriers. And, and so that would come. That would mean that we
0: all have are agreeing on, like you said, the definition of racism, or, is yeah. like, or we all have to agree on the same uh, knowledge. Or uh, we're all talking about this subject right here. We all agree. No, then, base. yeah, the base. And so, if, even if you don't agree on that base, and that's where I'm like, it's so hard. Now we're all just in our echo chambers. It's yelling out. And that's one of the things that I reached out to Cam to start this podcast, because we're completely coming from two different sides of the world. And if I just keep shouting in my group and how much I hate this oppression, how much I hate all this, it's just more negative energy into my own community. And, and I'm not I'm not discussing this with the people that I needed to, to hear this. And I think that's yeah. the next effect. of is like, I need you to hear this. And so I need to reach out to somebody on the other cross the table to have this discussion with. Because having this with you know, my own know.
1: people... Huh? You know what happened to me. So in this experience, people started to reach out from other races, Uh, people from Dana, Cam, who were white and just said, hey, what kind of books should I be reading? What can I do to be a part of this journey? And I kind of told them, you have to be willing to put yourself in the same position that we're in. Uh, puts yourself in a unique position where you're the only white person in a cultural uh, dynamic. When I, when I roomed with Cameron, wow. when I spent that wow. relationship okay. with
2: him. I didn't think about that.
1: Yeah, when I spent the relationship that we built at Dana, I learned that there wasn't that much of a difference. You know, We put up all of <laughs> these barriers, but he didn't come from uh, this wealthy background. But the assumption would be right. there because of his skin, you know. And, and yeah. so, I think BK. It comes down to people being willing to engage. And yes. if you're willing to engage, you can learn.
0: Yeah. And engage in a positive manner, not ripping off signs. Or when I see these new videos that are coming out of angry, it's angry white men predominantly just going into these protests and just want to be heard. And it's like. Dude, you could have just kept driving or you could just but not that kind of engagement. Not don't don't do that kind of engagement. Fall back off that and even using now as like cars as a weapon to hit protesters and use well like you can't imagine imagine if a car is coming at you and I'm just speaking on the rights to follow my dream and have a prosper time and so it's 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 dropping the racism conversation and forgetting about it is that is that the way to go
1: but doesn't it feel different cam and bk because now all of a sudden now we have okay yeah everybody this is a a german (laughs) pointer his name is maximus
0: (laughs) what's up maximus he's awesome
1: to, to, yeah, grow, to but, a great looking dog, yeah. <laughs> right, great looking dog. You're not gonna be able to see it. Yeah. But here's the beauty of this whole thing, though, is that people like Cameron are actually out there protesting. They are Gosh. the voice that makes it different now. They make it different. Yeah, and, and that's the difference <laughs> in this feeling. We've hit this. We've hit this uh, watershed moment. And Cameron is the voice. Cameron is the power. Cameron is the one that changes this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, we've had that conversation before too, BK. uh, And it's, yeah, and and that's, again, like I don't have a huge platform, but it's like everything that, like, you know, as you said, white America, white Americans, right? Um, Everything that we can do just within our own sphere of influence. I mean, even if it's just, even if it's just friends and family that we, you know, it's still it's a handful of people that can see, um, you know, that we're we're also fed up with this. Like this yeah. is just it's enough is enough. Like let's let's do something. Let's make some change. Um, and like you said, I think it does start. You know, obviously with the, you know, the hate and the the racism. But I mean, I think there's also just a bunch of things within the system that we just need to change. Um, it's 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 right. poverty. Um, it's, you know, equal opportunities, it's, um, housing. I mean, there's really just a, like a litany of things that need to change. Um, um, so I think I don't want to, you know, uh, you know, But you know, where it's
0: not going to start though. You know, where it's not going to start with these fucking Hollywood actors going <laughs> on that. It's going to stop with me.
2: Yeah. It,
0: it, 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 it not, not now.
2: Not yeah. Now, yeah, I think like, that's like a what we were just talking about uh Chappelle, what he said. Uh, you know, he's like, Let the, let the streets speak, yeah.
1: Oh, that was so beautiful, yeah. that, was so that was so beautiful, yeah. No, I totally. thought that was no, the no perfect
2: way to put that, yeah, to put that point out there.
1: It's really important though, what you say, Cameron, about uh, equity as well. Will make this this change because if you're not giving people jobs that don't look like you, if you're not giving them empowerment and opportunities. And we'll be in the same position we're in right now yeah, yeah.
0: and that's true and that's true other men are gonna hire people that look like them you know what i mean they're gonna be you're gonna be feel comfortable and like you said putting you putting yourself out of that comfort zone is where you get the maximum growth and the maximum growth for all of us and not just for you and your own and just maximum growth for all of us because if we don't all grow together Hey, I'm gonna come. I'm I'm watching your plate. Your plate is growing. <laughs> my plate is looking the same. It's been looking the same for the last ten years. Your plate is growing, though. I'm of course, and I still got more mouths to feed now. So of course, you know what I mean. But hey, luckily this is this is really awesome. This was a really awesome conversation. I appreciate you, Gary, giving me a, a super dope insight, especially coming from such a place. And that's how I. That's how I'm. I'm like rewiring my brain now. Is is You know, when you are coming from a place of struggle, when you're coming place from um, lack of abundance, you make bad decisions. You make bad decisions because you're thinking from hard to uh, hard to to the wall. Like, that's all your decisions are coming from. Where's my next meal? What's my next decision? And so you don't get to... You don't get to think about the next two, three years. You don't get to think about the next four or five years. And so I'm I'm hoping prosperity is also is also like um it's a medicine. It's a hope. Hope is is it's something that we need to hold on to at the same time, have actual policies that will change the land course of our system
1: right now. Yeah. I want to congratulate you guys for creating something that's a safe space uh, to have real serious conversation about uh, what's happening. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no. And go uh, Blair
2: Blazers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, Uh, thanks Gary. No, I mean, that's really nice of you to say. And I, um, we appreciate you coming on and yeah. And I just, you're a great like human being. Um, And so I'm just happy to have known you, uh, to know you and, uh, you know, keep up the good work. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? One thing,
0: one thing. Like, I just wanted uh, how how much would you emphasize of how important higher education is to you and how much higher education is key? You know, or, or if it is, it is, is it today?
1: You know, what's, what's more important is being willing to put yourself out there for something you're passionate in. And you need to be educated in whatever you love. And you need to go hard uh, to find that that knowledge base. But I would never say that that uh, structural and institutional education is the only way to reach your goal. But it is uh, one of the best ways to network and build relationships and understanding. But you have to be willing to fail. And yeah. I will tell you, I've failed several times. I'm sure Cameron has, and you have as well. It's not about the failure. It's about continuing on. And that's really what's going to make all of us come together is we have failed in this, in this experience as Americans. <laughs> together, we have we've all failed for sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: so let's keep going until we get it right.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. Well said. Well said. All right. I think let's wrap it up there. Um, so the video for the, uh, yeah, the short film should be available. Um, and we'll get all the links for that and we'll be sure to, uh, you know, post it wherever we can. Um, again, well, thanks, you can also get
0: Gary's book at where, where can you get your great book, bro?
1: Uh, it's uh, at clarkspeaks.com or amazon.com. Boom. Go yep. get that! Go get that! Go get that right now! It's hot, <laughs> hot, hot, hot fire! All
2: right, thanks Appreciate again, Gary. Appreciate it. See ya.